Hello and welcome to TW Now. I'm Scott Winnale and I'll be your host today. Today we're going to be talking about unstoppable diseases. You know what's interesting is when we look around the world today, we see technology increasing it seems day after day. We see all kinds of technologies, even uh, private industry working to put men in outer space. Governments hiring private industry to do that. When we look at medical and medical devices in the medical field, we see all kinds of things. We see body organs beginning to be printed digitally. We begin to see laparoscopic surgery. I just read last week about artificial limbs that can now feel pain. So we've come a long way in so many ways. But when we look at what's going on in the world today, particularly in developing nations around the world, we see diseases that never existed before. We see diseases that once were curable are no longer curable. What's going on in the society around us, in the world around us? How come these diseases seem to be so unstoppable? I want to invite you, if you have questions while we talk today, please go ahead and type them in and we'll see if we can address them. But as we begin, I'd like to introduce our two guests. We have Mr. Gerald Weston here today. Mr. Weston is a longtime minister. He's a Tomorrow's World telecast presenter. He's a writer and he's actually written on and presented on infectious diseases and a number of different diseases. And he's also lived in uh, some international areas around the world, so he brings that perspective too. Welcome, Mr. Weston. It's good to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. We also have Mr. Rod McNair, another minister. Mr. McNair has written on multiple topics, including topics related to Christian living and healing. He's lived in some developing and worked into some developing regions around the world, including the Philippines and the Caribbean. So it's good to have you here and bring your perspective as well. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. I don't want to take any more time. Gentlemen, as we begin our discussion today on unstoppable diseases, let me just ask a couple of questions and let you react to them. What do we know about diseases in the world today, particularly infectious diseases? What's the state of knowledge? What are some of the trends that we're seeing? Mr. Weston. Well, I think when we go back from a historical perspective, it seemed like the beginning of the last century, uh, mankind thought that we could solve the problem of infectious diseases. Uh, in the last century, they, uh, uh, mankind cured, so to speak, or stopped polio, smallpox, and various other diseases that way. However, as we have moved toward the 21st century, we find that a lot of these diseases are coming back, uh, not necessarily uh, that, but uh, tuberculosis is an example. Mm -hmm. A huge uh, comeback on that. Malaria is coming back. And then there are all those diseases that we never heard of before that we've only heard of in recent years. So it's, it's, uh, it, we're far from conquering it. In fact, many authorities say we're losing the battle. Mm. Mr. You know, it's interesting that um, about 30 years ago already or so, uh, my wife was taking a college class, a microbiology class, and they were talking at that time even about how the rise of superbugs and the rise of, of um, uh, drug-resistant uh, diseases. And the professor made an interesting observation. He said that we may come to the point where we have to go back to praying for the sick at their bedside. 
And so what a, what a fascinating observation from someone who is teaching microbiology and understands how these things work and yet could foresee something in the future. This is really sobering. You know, about a hundred years ago, actually, if we look at the turn of the last century, the average life expectancy in the Western world was about 45 years of age. Now we're up to uh, roughly 80 years of age. Yet it seems like we're beginning to go full circle with disease because the major killers a hundred years ago were infectious diseases. When you think about those diseases, uh, you think about some of the challenges today, what are some of those diseases that we're seeing in the world today that seem to be unique or particularly deadly? Well, I think that there are several that really strike fear into the hearts of, of some, anyway. Uh, Ebola is, is one of those, and while it's been confined to Africa, for the most part we did have, I think, one or two people over here that uh, had come back from Africa that had it. Uh, the, the potential of that is, is uh, very great. Uh, so far it is, is not transferred through the air, and it may never be, but if it ever is transferred through the air, it would be a, a disaster of unimaginable proportions, no doubt about it. Yeah, Ebola is a scary one. I uh, remember just a few years ago, the Centers for Disease Control putting up these um, micro-hospitals in different areas in Africa and trying to stem the tide. They were worried about it going through entire populations in some of those nations. Mm -hmm. SARS is another one, and uh, that's something that nobody knew anything about until about 2002 when it started. I was living in Toronto at the time, and that was the, the center of the uh, SARS outbreak in Canada. 44 people died, which is not a huge number, but I'll tell you, it put the fear in a lot of people, and 10,000 people were under quarantine at one point in order to stop it. This was in Canada? In Canada, right. Wow. So. You know, <clears throat> there are all kinds of them in the, in the Caribbean, in the South America. Uh, you've got chikungunya that has come up recently, the last few years. Um, dengue fever has, all, has been for a long time a, 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 a very serious uh, disease. Also this Zika virus that uh, came up a few years ago and, and really has, has wreaked havoc on, on uh, pregnant ladies and, and the birth defects that, are, that are affect them. So um, it, it, with our modern technology and uh, even in those countries that have access to it, it hasn't stopped these things from popping up. Yeah. And the flu hasn't gone away. We have it every year, and many authorities are talking about the next pandemic, which could be, again, a flu virus. Mm -hmm. When you go back to 1918, it spread around the world so fast, but I've seen figures anywhere from 20 to 50 million, I think even 60 million people I think I've seen. Mm -hmm. they, they really don't know how many people it killed, but it did it in a big hurry. You know, it's interesting, a, a lot of people don't recognize that even in Western nations, influenza is about the fourth leading cause of death in Western nations today. Mm -hmm. And that's without these mm -hmm. pandemics or epidemics going right. on. It, it's also interesting to note that um, you know we, we talk about drug resistant germs and mm -hmm. and how the medical <coughs> industry is is trying to always stay one step ahead of them and um, I think the figure I read was uh, 23,000 people die in this country every year because of anti drug resistant viruses and uh, one of the challenges, of course, has been overuse of antibiotics. 
But um, even today, when there's an understanding that antibiotics should not be used uh, in a lot of cases, doctors still feel this pressure because nobody gets good reviews on the internet for denying a patient an antibiotic when they want it. They, they want something quick, they want something that's going to knock this out, and, and really a lot of times there need to be more tests done to figure out for sure where they are. But there's a, there's a tremendous amount of pressure on doctors to just throw a drug at it, whether or not they know what it is. You know, there's bad habits as well, where a lot of doctors will see a situation and say, well, I'm going to give you this antibiotic in case there's a secondary infection. Mm -hmm. Right. But it seems to be, it's that kind of action that then begins to create this resistance in these superbugs mm -hmm. that, right. we're, that we're calling them. Let's think about the future. We've given a little bit of an overview here of sort of the disease state in the world today. Mr. Weston, you mentioned this super disease that they're sort of anticipating coming down the line. It could be influenza or something like that. What does the Bible have to say about diseases in the future? Because it's an interesting book. Some, some people say, oh, this is an ancient book and it's just for the past and it's for a people of the past, but we know that it speaks to the future. What does it have to say about disease in the future? Well, it's not uh, overly encouraging for the, the near future. Uh, the Bible very clearly states that there are going to be massive uh, pestilences or disease epidemics in the future, uh, right before Christ returns. In fact, some people might be wondering why would the three of us, uh, who are ordained ministers, why would we be talking about this subject? But uh, Christ himself said that uh, one of the signs of his coming at toward the end would be massive disease epidemics. And the book of Revelation uh, indicates that through war and famine and disease that one quarter of the earth would, would be killed. And that's really for starters. It, it goes on from there. So uh, uh, it's not very encouraging in the short term. In the long term uh, there is good news. You know Mr. Weston, I, I think that's one interesting thing about the, what, what the Bible says and points to is that uh, Matthew 24 talks about some of these things happening uh, as well as uh, wars and famines and, 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 and pestilences as well as Revelation talking about the four the first four seals opening up and here this was written by Jesus Christ someone that a lot of people think of as meek and mild and mm. wouldn't hurt anyone and, and wouldn't certainly wouldn't talk about anything that is frightening and they don't want a message that has to do with any doom and gloom or any bad news. And yet our Savior, Jesus Christ, as well as bringing forgiveness of sins and coming as a lamb, so to speak, uh, he talked about some pretty hard things and, and really should make our hair stand on end. But my question then is, Jesus Christ is this loving, benevolent, peace bringing God, why would he talk about things like this? Why would he allow such devastation through disease in the future? Well, when you think about it, uh, God is, is like a parent, is a parent to us. Uh, and we have so rebelled against him, so thumbed our nose in his face, uh, told him we don't want him to be a part of our lives. How else is he going to get the attention of mankind and, and really get our attention for our benefit? Not because he wants to do this, but because he has to. So any parent knows that sometimes with your children, 
you have to get their attention. And that's one way that he's going to get it. You know, in, in back in the Old Testament, exactly as uh, following up on that, we read of God even revealing himself as the healer, the Lord who heals. Uh, I think the, the Hebrew you know, name would be Yahweh Rofika, or something close to that. And um, here it's interesting that, that when Israel, ancient Israel, came out of Egypt, that, that God revealed himself as, look, I'm going to take these diseases that have been on the Egyptians, I'm going to take them away from you, I'm going to heal you, I'm going to be your healer. And so uh, I think an, a, a good way for us to look at it is that, that ordinarily, if we are walking with him, if we're trying to obey God, he has our hand, his hand around us to protect us. He has his, his, his covering over us. And, but all it takes is if we thumb our nose at him, like you said, he can lift his hand very quickly and we're seeing in the news report sometimes it's they don't even know why uh, some of these diseases aren't progressing faster all it takes is for God to lift his hand more and and uh, we can be seeing some very very difficult things you know the hostility against God is is amazing in our age today we're living in a time when we have more knowledge of the very basis of life the the, the foundations of life the cellular structure which is so incredibly marvelous and complicated and absolutely impossible to have ever just put itself together and yet when you read some of the articles or watch some of the uh, productions on YouTube of uh, cellular uh, life as it were of uh, DNA and how it's such a massive code and everything uh, you read some of the articles or the the comments that people make and they're absolutely hostile against God. Right. They hate God, they despise God, they despise His laws, mm. and uh, so why, they have nothing to kick about when all these things come down upon us. But if, he, if He demands uh, us to get Him out of the, the school, if we demand Him mm. to get out of the schools, out of government, out of our, our personal life, out of our sex life, you know, out of everything we do, He's going to say, okay, I will get out of your life and I won't protect you from these things. You're on your own. That seems to be where we're headed. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to add on, on that as well. Uh, sex life. We, we say uh, God, people want God out of their sex life, so he's out of it. And what's the result? HIV, AIDS, syphilis, gonorrhea, uh, all kinds of chlamydia, uh, one disease after another. So he, he's out of it. And now we're suffering the consequences. And they're, they're, they're making a comeback, aren't they? They are. Uh, some of these, these diseases that you think of are, are from times past, and we have drugs to control them. You read in the news, and, and they're, they're coming back. Yeah, we've, we've got epidemic proportions of some of these diseases in California, mm -hmm. for example. And because you've got such high rates of things like syphilis, you're winding up with things like infant blindness. Mm -hmm. Again, s situations with babies that we haven't seen in decades because we've had these antibiotics. But because of decisions that people are making, it's, it's interesting to see what happens. Mm -hmm. So if I hear you correctly, uh, these end-time diseases that Jesus Christ prophesied will come and really impact the world. That's not going to happen necessarily just because he's going to zap the world, uh, but it's going to happen in part two because he's, he's allowing things. 
I think it's the natural consequences of our actions. Uh, you tell a young person don't smoke, he decides he's going to smoke, he comes down with cancer, emphysema later on in life, and wants to blame God. Uh, there, there are natural consequences. Uh, Ebola, SARS, HIV, AIDS, all of these have causes, and they're known causes in reality, and yet people don't want to live that way of life. So. Uh, he doesn't have to zap us. These are just the natural consequences. One, one of, following up on that, one of the things that we read about and we talked about even uh, in, our, in our prep before the program today is diseases like cholera that are natural consequences of, of unsanitary conditions that are oftentimes caused by warfare uh, where you don't have uh, where, 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 where tiny fragments of feces or, or vomit get into the drinking water supply and, mm -hmm. and you see the cholera becoming an issue when those conditions are there. So he certainly intervenes, but a lot of it is just us bringing it on ourselves in those ways. You know, I don't know if you heard the news last week. You probably did hear it or see it here in Charlotte, North Carolina. People had a birthday party last week. They had 100 people at this birthday party. And a bunch of people got sick with shigellosis, shigella. Mm. Uh, this particular bacteria is a fecal-related bacteria. So human feces came in contact with the food somehow. Mm -hmm. And what they've nailed it down to is somebody didn't wash their hands before they prepared the food, and it put several people in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Just some simple things like this. In just a second, I'd like to talk a little bit more about maybe some other diseases that you can think of that arise because of sins of individuals or because God's laws aren't followed. Because I'd like our audience to be able to get a better feel for the actually some of the laws that are in the Bible that sadly many people put down as you're talking about. People hate this kind of thing. Yet there's some simple things the Bible talks about that could really improve the health of, of people and, and stop some of these diseases. Before we do that though, I'd like to welcome you if you're just joining us on TW Now. Today we're talking about unstoppable diseases. If you've got questions, please feel free to send them in and we'll see if we can address them. We do have a couple of questions that have come up. Uh, one of them is, aren't many diseases a result of human sin? And another one is, um, what is the best way to stop sexually transmitted diseases or sexually transmitted infections? And we've sort of gotten to that, but you might want to address some of those as well. Well, I think as far as sexually transmitted diseases, they could be that whole genre of diseases or infections. It used to be venereal diseases, then it was uh, sexually transmitted diseases, now it's sexually transmitted infections. They want to soften it each time. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact of the matter is that could be solved in, in a generation. Uh, the, the, the solution that man has is uh, prevention by drugs, by uh, condoms, uh, various means like that, uh, getting checkups. But the, the real answer to it is one man, one woman, faithful in marriage. And if everybody were doing that, we wouldn't have these problems. But we don't want to look at that solution. We don't want to take the hard choices that have to be made. And yet, uh, when we break the, these laws that God has given us uh, about adultery and fornication, then we suffer these consequences and we think that there's, there's a better way. We have a better way. Mm -hmm. But our drugs are failing us. And uh, the more that we take, the, the more they will fail us. 
Right. I want to dig in a little bit further, Mr. Weston, on, on your comments, because you're inviting God back into the bedroom. Does God belong in the bedroom? Sure. He belongs in the bedroom because he was the one that created us as, sec as sexual beings. Uh, when you think of it as though God is the creator of life, he knows everything that is good for us. He says this is the best way to go. Let me give an example. In uh, Madsen and Kirk, uh, uh, after the ball, two homosexual activists, they actually state that marriage between a man and a woman works better than between two men. They, they actually say that. And so God knows better than, than man does. But man wants to do it his way, and the end result is we pay the price for it. So yes, should God be in the bedroom? Yes. Should man uh, try to enforce those laws uh, you know, as, as a, a government or something? That's another question altogether. But God has every right to tell us what is the best way. You know, and, and like you said, there are so many other diseases and conditions that, that, that are affected by our choices and things we do. And God said a long time ago, uh, it's recorded in Leviticus, um, about how to handle a infectious disease. One of the basic uh, concepts is, is quarantine, that if someone has an infectious boil, I mean, he gave a lot of detail in Leviticus 13 and 14 about how to see if it was infectious or if it had already uh, run its course and was no longer infectious. And uh, just the simple concept of having someone isolated for a time is as current as today's news. I mean, we you look at Ebola and there is no cure for it. Essentially, it's just isolate so no one else gets it. Uh, look at TB, we talked about that a little while ago. Uh, in the Philippines, it's even though in most countries it, in, in, it's not an issue, but still in some poorer countries it still is. And here's a, a quote from a newspaper recently uh, that, that basically said, um, uh, TB came under control in the late 1950s, that is in most countries, through a combination of treatment with potent drugs and perhaps more importantly, they said, an improvement of living conditions, particularly by reducing overcrowded housing and simply public health education such as, listen to this, this is cutting edge, this is, you know, high tech, uh, covering the mouth when coughing and not spitting. You know, so, so really you're talking about simple things, hand washing, covering the mouth, not being so close together where if we are infectious, we're, we're infecting all of our, all of our neighbors. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, two of the diseases we've mentioned here, uh, SARS and, and uh, uh, Ebola, I find it rather interesting that if mankind obeyed the laws of God, we'd have nothing to fear from either one of those. What they do know about both of those diseases, in fact, it's not hard for them to find it. They know where to look whenever one of these diseases breaks out. They go to the meat market. They ask, what are these people eating? They don't look at the vegetable market. Now, there are, you know, there can be contamination of vegetables. We know that. But <clears throat> they go to the meat market, and as they found in, in uh, China or Hong Kong in that area, uh, they first thought it was a civet cat, which is an animal that God says that we should not eat based on certain criteria. Uh, later on, they, they've uh, isolated it to be a, a horseshoe bat. 
Now they eat bats, they use them for medicine and that sort of thing over there, but they believe that that is the, the source of SARS. And then it goes through various other stages through different animals, but that's basically the source and all of the animals are unclean. Mm -hmm. You go to Ebola, why does it always happen in Africa, in certain areas of Africa? They know that it is because of some animal or animals that are indigenous to that area. And again, they've isolated that. They believe, but they don't know for sure. They don't know what the, the original source is, but they know that one of the sources is a fruit bat. And also what they call bushmeat, monkeys, primates, various animals that, again, if people read the Bible, they'd find that certain animals should not be eaten. It was also interesting, I, I think about Ebola, and I remember reading um, some case scenarios from West Africa when the outbreak was a few years ago, and just some of the practices as well of the people, um, and not knocking people, but we, we get into habits, we get into practices that aren't helpful and in fact are ungodly in some situations. You know, you go back to the Old Testament, what does God say you're to do with a dead body? You don't touch it. You, you, you get it out from your midst. You, you bathe after you touch it, if you have to touch it in your direct family members. And then you are really isolated and quarantined until evening. Very safe principles. But many of those individuals, when their loved ones die of, these, of, of Ebola, they, they spend time with the dead body. They still hug on and kiss on this dead body that's infected with this disease. And so even some of those practices lead to further infection. You know, we were talking also before about how even today uh, in some countries, if there is, if you're traveling and you're, you're in the airport and they, you have certain uh, symptoms, they're going to say you, you need to be examined. Um, I find it kind of interesting in our in this country today with the, 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 the controversy about immigration, and yet uh, we were visiting in Ellis Island uh, a year or so ago, uh, have some relatives that came through Ellis Island, and it was interesting to, to do a little digging and research about that. In the process, you learn and you, you hear the story about it, how at Ellis Island, one of, the, one of the major things they were doing was processing people to see if they had infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. And it did not matter if there was a family member, one person passed, if you didn't pass the test, they would not let you in the country, and that was that. And so, you know, it, it may seem like a very harsh uh, uh, system, but it was a way to protect uh, others from getting these mm -hmm. diseases ultimately uh, there, there were certain principles that God employed long ago. Interesting. Let's take this as we begin to wind down now and, and talk about, we, we've, we've talked about sort of the scope, a little bit of the scope of infectious disease and, and how it happens and some of the neat biblical principles that are there. As we look forward, what kind of hope is there for a world today when it looks like you've got these killer diseases that seem to be unstoppable? What kind of hope is there for today and, and what's coming in the future beyond the, the society that man has created today? Well, in the immediate future, uh, we know that these infectious diseases are going to be with us. Uh, we, we certainly believe that they, after Christ returns, they won't because people will be keeping very basic laws that would prevent them. Um, when, you, when you look at some of these diseases, they can be prevented on an individual basis. 
none of us have to come down with a sexually transmitted disease if we are monogamous and our, our you know our wife is and our husband so forth uh, or if we're single and we we uh, take care of ourselves that way we don't have to worry about some things they, they just are not something that we sit here worrying about uh, washing and, and that sort of thing they found with SARS for example uh, the way that they solved that in Canada they had 10,000 people in quarantine and sometimes it's a matter of us quarantining ourselves, but washing our hands. All of our, our health officials tell us that that's one of the, the best ways of preventing flus and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there may come a time with some of these massive pandemics where we just ha kind of have to withdraw for a short period of time, having a little extra food in the house to mm -hmm. where you, you're not out in the public for a period of time. Uh, there are a lot of things that we can do that way. You know, you were mentioning washing hands. There also was a recent uh, event here in Charlotte about a, in one of the restaurants, Hardee's, I think it was, where yes. this fellow was handling meat and was, uh, turns out he had hepatitis A. And so several thousand people were now at risk. Mm -hmm. uh, just things that are so simple as, as that. I remember... Um, you know, and also just involving God and asking Him to heal, that Christ was here on this earth. Uh, he is Yahweh Rafika. He was the same being that was revealed to the Israelites back there. And what did He do? One of the major things that He did in His ministry, He had compassion on people, He healed them. And uh, that, you know, looking to God as our healer is a, is a really something that, that we all need to do, and certainly as times get tougher, as Mr. Wesson was mentioning, we're, we're going to have to more and more and more. What's interesting, you mentioned healing and God healing. He actually can do that sort of in two different ways, can't he? He can directly intervene and heal. And when we cry out to him in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, who is our healer, we can be healed. But when we begin keeping the principles that he outlined for us, those are really healing principles as well, aren't they? Absolutely. They are, and uh, as uh, uh, Mr. McNair was mentioning here, I think the three of us know that God really does heal people. We have anointed people before. We're not going to sit here and say that everybody that we've ever anointed was healed immediately or even at all. Uh, some people die. There's a, a time to die, too. But I know that I've personally seen situations where no doctor could explain why this person uh, didn't die. And uh, I think there comes a time we have to put our faith in, in God and in Christ. But in order to be healed, one of the, the qualifications in one sense is that we should be obeying Him. God gives to uh, those who obey Him the things that they ask. Mm -hmm. And so we can't wait around and live any way we want to and then expect at the last minute that God is going to step in and heal us. Yes. Let me ask you for just a final comment. Uh, we've talked about sort of the world today. Do you see a world that might ever be disease-free? And if so, why? Well, I, I certainly do. Uh, I, I, and, and the reason why is because so many of, the many of the diseases that we have today have causes and have known causes. We take for granted that every year we're going to get the flu or the flu is going to come around. But the more you learn about the subject, you find that it comes from a certain part of the world where they live with animals in close contact, and so every year it kind of spreads around the world from that area. Uh, why is it always from, from that area, or usually from that area? 
I think that we're going to be surprised someday to find out what the causes of a lot of illnesses are. And the one who created us and made us the way that we are knows what those causes are and will teach mankind the cause of, of sickness. Mm. Absolutely, and, and it's interesting as well how much Christ, when he was on this earth, he connected the two things, forgiveness of sins mm -hmm. and being healed of diseases. And so we don't, in our modern world, we don't put those two together, mm -hmm. but there is such a strong connection between what we do, how we obey God in our life in general, as well as how we follow the, the basic steps and principles that, that, as you said, people here are figuring out today that really were what God put in place thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. That's still true and it's, it's going to be uh, even more so in the future that He is the one who forgives our sins and heals our diseases. We read of the, the lame leaping like a deer and the, the blind seeing and the deaf being able to hear and, and uh, just a, a tremendous glimpse into the future. It's an exciting time to think about. Absolutely. And it's, it's exciting because this wonderful God that we worship has actually given us an outline of how to live. He, he's not condemning us, but He's saying, here, this is the way, walk in it, and if you do, you're going to live this blessed and abundant life, which is a time that's coming. That's right. Well, we want to thank you for being with us today. We have just begun to scratch the surface with unstoppable diseases. If you want to find out a little bit more, I recommend an article that we have in our Tomorrow's World magazine 2016, if you go to tomorrowsworld.org, on superbugs, uh, the end of ant the antibiotic era. Some interesting insight into the situation of disease today, but also some encouraging things at the end of the article. Thank you again for joining us. And again, to find out more, uh, please go ahead and join us on Facebook. And we'll talk to you again next week. I'm Scott Winnale for TW Now.